Hello, and welcome to On a Mission Podcast, where we aim to inspire and educate through sharing stories and experiences in the real estate industry. It's hosted by Dina Frank, a licensed realtor in the state of Minnesota at Remax Results, a Good Life Group, and Kelly Tanky, loan originator, NMLS 1599804 at Summit Mortgage Corporation, NMLS 1041. We started this podcast so we could share real stories from real people on their experiences in the real estate industry and break down barriers. We hope that by sharing these stories and experiences, it helps you feel more confident and comfortable when it comes to buying or selling. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, and as always, enjoy! And now, let's get to this week's episode. All right. So last time we talked about kind of the financing and pre-approval process. And so today we're kind of kind of going to get into the home search and kind of what that entails. But first we have rapid fire questions, right? I got some rapid fire questions for Miss Dina. So last time I got all these nice rapid fire questions and tables are turned. So first and foremost, where did you grow up? Ooh. I grew up mainly in a small town in Minnesota called Winthrop, not Wyndham, not Winona, Winthrop. I get it all the time. Um, It's about 35 miles southwest of the Twin Cities. Thank you so much for that. And I love how you said Winona as in Winona or Winona as in the canoes. (laughs) Okay, next question. Dogs or cats? Oh, this is an obvious one, but dogs. I have a German short hair pointer named Willow. Um, my parents never let me have dogs growing up, and so it was my main mission in life to have dogs when I grew up. I love it. We're both loved uh, lovers of dogs, which is kind of what bonded us. Wow, Absolutely. I'm stumbling over my words. This is real life, people. This is what actually happens on podcasts or videos. <laughs> this is the unedited version. <laughs> yeah, it'll be edited out. All right. Uh, favorite real estate moment? Ooh, my favorite real estate moment. Let's see. I'm going to go with my first closing, which was with you. Um <laughs> And I think it was because, well, so technically my first closing was our condo. We ended up closing two days before our first closing together. Um, But that for me kind of just made me realize like I can help others and I can do this. And even though it was a friend, so it was somebody I already knew, it was really fun going through that process for somebody else. So that would probably be my number one. I'm sure they're listening to this podcast, too, so they would be um, delighted to hear that. All right, on to the next one. Favorite childhood hobby growing up? Ooh, I like these questions. Um, My favorite childhood hobby was I was huge into gymnastics growing up. So I was actually, like, when at one point we moved from Winthrop to a small town even further southwest called Tracy, and I actually trained with um, an Olympic coach. So, like, I was in gymnastics. Like, I was in class for, like, three hours a night, um, and I loved it. Um, I ended up quitting because I got a really bad injury, and I just decided to move on, but I think that would be number one. Wow, I am learning a lot about you right now. Okay, favorite book? 
Oh, this is another hard one. Favorites are always so hard for me because I'm a very, like, change-my-mind person. So it's like I can never have the security questions of, like, what's your favorite blank? We have dogs barking in the background. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, my favorite book. Um, I do love the one of the only books I've ever like read and reread and reread again is Summer Sisters by Judy Bloom. So I would probably say that one. Like I love like a good like romantic comedy mm-hmm. book. Um, anything by Emily Griffin is good. Um, yeah, I would, I'm going to go with that one. That's good. Okay. Judy Bloom is an author I haven't heard of in a really long time. It takes me back to like at probably elementary school. Yeah. I mean, I read it like multiple times in like middle school and high school. So I think her re- her most recent book is from like only a few years ago, though. All right. On to real estate. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Okay, so I'm going to take over. This is Kelly with Bank of the West. Um, last, last episode, we ended things on um, really how that pre-approval process goes. And so this episode is geared more along um, the next steps with the home search. And so, Dina, this is, this is your realm. This is your, your expertise. And so what I might just do, rather than asking a bunch of questions... <laughs> <laughs> again, dogs barking in the background, um, is let you start off by um, talking about after after somebody gets their pre-approval letter or a couple gets their pre-approval letter um, and they come to you. Um, actually, I do have a question. Okay. Do you, do you feel it's best to take somebody out before they have a pre-approval letter or do you wait until they have the pre-approval letter to go out and look at homes? This is a great question. <laughs> and I think I think it can go either way depending on the person's situation, but for me, especially as first-time home buyers, I think it's important to get pre-approved first. And it's for a variety of reasons. Um, number one, I think it's really helpful to understand different programs that are available, what your situation actually is. It's for agent safety. So I know who you actually are. Um, And I know that sounds like crazy, but, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm meeting people for the first time at a house. And so that's definitely something that I'm trying to be more cautious about. Um, So I, I definitely go the route of if you have the time before I meet with you to get a pre-approval, I I would rather go that route. Um, I will take people, like I will go on one showing with them um, before, but I think to really understand the home buying process, I prefer the pre-approval first. Um, Yeah, so that'd be my answer. Carl Carter Jr. would be so proud of you for saying the safety aspect of it. So we're just going to go off on a tangent real quick. Carl Carter Jr. of the Beverly Foundation is a very inspiring person, somebody that we met back in February of 2019. We're going to put some years to stuff here. But um, Carl Carter Jr., if you're listening, we appreciate you a lot and all of your education around the safety for real estate agents. Oh, we we may have had a technical difficulty, and I think we're on we're on par okay. now, so we're good. Okay, that was good. I'm glad that you um, said that. And I think, really, when it comes to let's just back up with the pre-approval. 
um, that gives you a better idea and uh, definition around the price point. Yes. Because, you know, somebody may be looking at homes and the 300 price point when they're actually pre-approved for 225 you know, and this is reality. Sometimes that does happen. So, all right. Exactly. So, <laughs> so off of, <laughs> so yeah, kind of talking more about the home search process once you have been pre-approved, like Kelly said, the price point is so important. And I think that is just another reason why I like people getting pre-approved first because it really gives them a sense of what they can afford and it really it's not just about the purchase price it's about that monthly payment right so I can set up a search based on those specific needs so if you're looking for you know we'll just kind of go into some of the different ways you can buy if you're looking for a condo and you have a price point on that, you know, is there an HOA budget as well? There probably is. So, you know, if your total budget, you know, and we're just throwing out numbers here. This is obviously just for an example. Like if you're looking at an overall budget of $1,500 a month, like how does that break down in a condo where you have a monthly HOA of $250? You know, so we have to kind of adjust the purchase price based on that um, versus a townhouse that, you know, the HOA is probably a little bit less than that. It doesn't include as much, but it still affects your total purchasing power. And then on the other side, you know, single family homes, you don't have those HOAs. So it is just a monthly payment with insurance and tax and whatnot. But something to consider is all the maintenance items. So your furnace, your air conditioner, your roof, you know, and how that all kind of comes into play and comes together in that monthly payment. So I think that's a good like first step to consider once you've been pre-approved is you know what your your monthly payment where you want that to be at so how does that break down from a purchase price perspective and that's something that I can set up you know from a search perspective very specifically let's talk a little bit about um locations because yeah. <laughs> that that is um that plays such a huge role when you're looking at homes, you know, the Edina versus Woodbury versus downtown Minneapolis versus Ham Lake. I don't know. I'm really stretching <laughs> here for some of these cities versus towns and what that price point might look like. So can you talk a little bit more about some of the differences between, I mean, obviously you're not going to know exact price points for each of those, but how important it is to define um, the location and then work that in with the pre-approval. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the, the old saying goes location, location, location. So it, it bears mentioning, um, yeah, I think the important thing to keep in mind when you're, when you're considering a location is like, what is the average price point, right? So that's information that I can provide you that is data driven, from past sales and then just really kind of going and maybe looking at some of those that hit that price point and saying like, is this too much of a concession for you from a condition standpoint, a size standpoint, and then kind of what's similar. So definitely Dinah's going to be on the pricier end. Um, but a good like, 
you know, if you want to get into kind of that Edina-esque area, I would say Richfield's a good place. Um, and this, and we are talking, you know, we live in Minnesota, so we are talking about the Twin Cities specifically. Um, so, you know, I don't know about other cities, obviously. So we just want to throw that out there. But definitely, like, the first ring suburbs are going to be more expensive price per square footage. They're going to be older homes. Um, but then if you work downtown, your commute's going to be fairly easy. You may have a public transportation option. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know anything else about that. Oh, the other thing I would mention is taxes are generally higher there. So that's another thing to consider. So like I just recently had a client who was like hovering around the 250 price point. But then when they looked at taxes for certain areas, so South Minneapolis, um, Hopkins, St. Louis Park, their taxes are at a higher level. So it actually dropped their overall purchase price power mm-hmm. about $20,000. So, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we were just having this discussion last Friday with uh, one of the title reps that we know, you know, that difference between... <laughs> really a couple of blocks can make a huge difference in what the property tax and the value of that looks like for somebody. But it's, it's pretty incredible that that drastic um, jump up or jump down. Yeah. And I would say too, like another thing about location is depending on, you know, if you're okay going a little bit further out, like, you know, you get more land, you get probably newer construction, um, And I would say overall, Minneapolis has pretty good public transportation. So that's something to definitely look into um, when you're looking out in certain neighborhoods. I know like um, Cobblestone Lake down in Apple Valley has, they have like an express bus from like their development to the bus system. So there are options to think about. I think overall, like when you're looking at location, you know, do you want a neighborhood feel? Do you want to be convenient to stuff? Like, do you want to be walkable to restaurants and bars and parks and all of that? Or do you want more space? Do you want, you know, a little bit more freedom with your, with your home? So I think those are all things to consider for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And one of my, um, my questions to follow that is, um, when you are, when you're having that sit down conversation, when do some of these aspects come up in conversation? Is it that initial sit down or is it, um, after they've gotten the pre-approval letter or is it fine tuning as you go? What's, what's the, what's the best method? Yeah. So I think, for me, my method is fine-tuning as we go. I don't try to, of course, you know, if somebody has their heart set on a specific location, we'll, we'll go there. But I think looking at more locations um, and then kind of narrowing it down, for me, is, a, is easier to kind of grasp what you're willing to give up, what you're not willing to give up. Um, so it's usually about the third or fourth time we're out, maybe it's the sixth or eighth home we've looked at where it's, do we want to consider additional neighborhoods? So we're not finding what we're seeing in this particular neighborhood. So do we need to go further out 
or in the reverse, we've seen things in five or six different neighborhoods. What was your favorite and where do you want to focus? So really, and I know like Brian Buffini, like one of his things is, you know, refining and kind of excluding what you don't want. So I think it's just kind of, it's that decision-making process that, you know, pros, cons list, favorites to, yeah, I'd live here if I had to, you know, and really kind of deciphering that um, and making that decision of like, is this a long-term location for you? And the one thing I do want to kind of mention here is when you're looking at that first-time home especially, is it's probably not going to be your forever home. It would it would be great if everyone could just buy one home and live there forever. But the reality is, is getting that first step in the door mm-hmm. for real estate, I think is enough of a leap that to set so many parameters and expect to get everything on your wish list, you're just going to be disappointed. So I just want to like kind of throw that out, kind of set mm-hmm. expectations of, I think getting that first home is a great first step. And that is where to focus your energy. So what kind of home can get you through the next three to five to seven years? And then is there a potential to remodel that home or add on, you know, if it's already in a, you know, the school district you want or the neighborhood and you've really connected with the people there and you want to stay there, is there something that you can add to the home that will make it work for you? Or at that point, do you need to go, you know, further out or move up and kind of have that, you know, decision-making process? So that's kind of how I look at it. Um, Is there anything you want to add? No, I... (laughs) I was just going to add that if if somebody stayed in a home forever, then we would all be out of business, basically. <laughs> I have to add that in as a little ha-ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in, in um, all seriousness, you know, the, the average, let's call it time span of somebody, uh, a single person or a couple being in a home is five to seven years. Yeah. Sometimes less, sometimes more. It just depends. But, you know, on average, that's what you're looking at. So keep that in mind. Um, I know for me, looking at, looking at homes, I, it, it was not going to be a forever home for me. It's a townhouse and it does and serves its purpose right now. Um, but I know you and Zach felt the same way too. Yeah. And I think just it, Yeah, like I just don't think it's, I think it's really hard that first go around to even understand what, how your life is going to change in five or seven years, you know, like. Even a year. Right. Yeah. Like a single person versus a couple versus, you know, maybe an older couple, their kids are grown up. They don't need as much space. So downsizing, you know, even people who say this is their forever home end up moving. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one thing I would like to add to that is it is definitely an investment. So like, I think that's a way to get into investing in real estate. And I think it's a really good, this is just my personal opinion. This is not like anything else, but I think it's a really great way in the long term to build wealth. So if you're looking, you know, if you're trying to decide between whether it's what, whether (laughs) it's better (laughs) to buy or rent, I think when you look at it from the long term, you know, in five or seven years, like how much equity does that house build and how much money do you have 
to either invest in your next property or use to make improvements. And, you know, kind of looking at it from that perspective, I think that first time home buyer, that's a great, obviously it's a great way to get started on that path. Absolutely. I'm not quite sure what more I could say off of that. I, I definitely agree. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, is there anything else we want to talk about in that? Uh, I do. I know. Um, Go on. One thing that also I think comes up a lot, especially when I'm talking to first-time homebuyers, is because they're probably in a lease, right? Like, they're probably renting. In the state of Minnesota, you have to give your landlord 60-day notice. Mm. So kind of backing up that timeline and talking about, like, how long the home buying process typically takes um, – because I've seen, especially like last year and now again this year, the spring market is pretty competitive as far as, you know, when a, when a new house hits, they're going quite quickly and a lot of times in multiple offers. So it may take, you know, a few weeks to kind of get into that, that cycle of knowing where you want to buy, what you want to buy, what price point you want to go in at, you know, how aggressive you want to make your offer. Um, so right now, I would say if your lease is up in like June, for example, like I would be looking right now. Definitely. Because you've probably got three to four weeks before you find the right home, get an offer in, get it accepted, everything goes right. And then you've got another 30 to 45 to possibly 60 days before closing. And that mm -hmm. allows you the time to feel confident in the home that you're purchasing and give notice to your landlord. So I would say a good timeline, like just for those that have leases to kind of back it up would be, you know, maybe getting pre-approved like four months out and kind of starting that home search process the following week or two, mm -hmm. you know, getting set up on a home search right after getting pre-approved kind of filtering out what you like, what you don't like, maybe driving around in some neighborhoods and then going out and looking with a realtor, you know, three and a half months before you need to give notice. Yeah, that's that's a really good um, aspect to this and something to piece in because, uh, you know, between you and I, we've, we've worked with quite a few people who are making that transition from renting to now I want to buy a home and I want to have equity in a home and build wealth. Um, so just going off of dates, right? So we were talking about, say your lease is ending in June timeframe and you've, you've made the executive decision four months out that you're going to get pre-approved. Say you find something and you close on it April. April, you close, you have your cash to close amount. Your first monthly payment wouldn't kick in until June 1st. So you've got that one month lag. I know that sometimes people think, okay, well, I've, you know, you, you're backing into everything and you're trying to remember when's going to be my last monthly rent payment, when's going to be my first monthly mortgage payment. Well, your last payment for rent would be May 1st and you would have that full month of May. Um, I guess, without a mortgage payment, and you could, so hopefully that is making a little bit more sense, and I usually always have that conversation with people knowing what their timeline looks like for um, putting in their notice and needing to get out of their space and then wanting to close on a home while we can work through all of those dates. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good thing to mention because it is something that people get really nervous on. And it's, I mean, it's a valid, valid uh, concern. But yeah, not having that, having that leg time is definitely something to mention. Mm -hmm. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes, absolutely. I'm not sure there's any anything else. I know I'm sure as soon as we get off of this podcast, we'll start thinking of other things. But for now, I think that that covered quite a few bases in the uh, beginning stages of searching for a home. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I cover with all my first time home buyers. I'm sure there is something that we missed and we'll <laughs> be kicking ourselves. But I think that's a good Good amount of information. Yeah. So we don't want to overwhelm either. So it's kind of the the high level overview, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to On a Mission, where our goal is to educate and inspire. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us to help spread the message. It takes 30 seconds to rate and review, then share this episode with your friends. Let's spread the love. Until the next episode, cheers to your mission. Bye. Bye.